Hey, it's Danielle. Would you like a $50 Amazon gift card? Here is how you enter a chance to win. Right now, Failing Motherhood is turning four years old, and it's almost Mother's Day, so we're doing an annual drive for ratings and reviews, which are huge for search rankings, for potential listeners to find us, and for them to size up the quality of the podcast. So if you have been enjoying Failing Motherhood, whether this is your first few times listening or you've been here the whole time, I'm offering extra incentive to put in a quick two to three sentence review inside Apple. When you leave yours, screenshot it and then send it to me over Instagram DM or email. And I am going to give one listener that leaves a review a $50 Amazon gift card on Mother's Day. We have some really exciting failing fatherhood episodes coming up. So please follow the podcast if you haven't yet and leave that rating or review so that more moms and more parents know they are not alone if they feel like they're failing their child on a daily basis. We need each other and I'm so grateful you are here. I did not really think to talk to anybody about what was happening because how do you explain that? How do you how do you get comfortable to share these experiences when you know that there's a very real stigma around mental health and especially when there's a little one involved? My biggest fear was if I were to speak up, I would be labeled as an unfit mom. Ever feel like you suck at this job? Motherhood, I mean. Have too much anxiety, not enough patience. Too much yelling, not enough play. There's no manual, no village, no guarantees. The stakes are high. We want so badly to get it right. But this is survival mode. We're just trying to make it to bedtime. So if you're full of mom guilt, your temper scares you. You feel like you're screwing everything up and you're afraid to admit any of those things out loud. This podcast is for you. This is Failing Motherhood. I'm Danielle Batman, and each week we'll chat with a mom ready to be real, sharing her insecurities, her fears, her failures, and her wins. We do not have it all figured out. That's not the goal. The goal is to remind you, you are the mom your kids need. They need what you have, you are good enough, and you're not alone. I hope you pop in earbuds, somehow sneak away, and get ready to hear some hope from the trenches. You belong here, friend. We're so glad you're here. Hey, it's Danielle. Last episode, if you were with us, Chelsea shared her story of overcoming her resistance and hesitation to starting medication and just how much she found it was a game changer for her and really just encouraged you to know that it's okay. It's okay if you need to look into that or find a treatment option that's right for you. And I wanted to follow that episode up with this one with an interview with Jessie Heredia. She is a life coach for angry moms. And I think it's like a good contrast for the different paths and treatment options If you feel like your mental health and your well-being is the thing that needs a next step. So 
Jessie Aredia is a life coach who helps angry moms manage their emotions and change their motherhood experience. She loves sharing her own journey of navigating postpartum rage, learning to manage her anger and anxiety, and her unique process for equipping moms to do the same. Jessie and her husband, Grant, are in the thick of parenthood with their three young daughters and reside in Atlanta, Georgia. And in this episode, I'm just so grateful to Jessie for her honesty, for her transparency and sharing her own experience and struggles as she became a mom and how much she dealt with the shame and the stigma and the guilt of her uncontrollable outbursts and what that looked like and felt like and knowing that seeking counseling for her was the game changer. And now she's able to turn around and help other moms identify that their rage is really tied to a lot of anxious thoughts and how to manage that so that you can show up as the mom that you want to be. And we give lots of disclaimers that you are never going to ever not ever yell again. And you may not be able to completely control the intrusive anxious thoughts that arrive, but you have choices of what to do with them. And that is her expertise. That is a part of wholeheartedly calm and, uh, you know, managing your patients and having more parenting tools um, in my work. But just that awareness of being able to name it and relate to someone else's story and know that it is not just you. It is not part of your identity. It is simply that you are unequipped to maybe handle some of the the thoughts or the mindset or the strategies of how to handle the big emotions or the things that you are experiencing with your child. That does not mean you are a bad parent. It just means that you need more tools. You need more perspective. You need support. And that is why we're here. And we're normalizing that. It is hard to ask for help and you can. And I want to share those stories of moms that have so that you feel even more like it's possible for you. So Jesse shares several thoughts that are really powerful mindset shifts that she shares with her clients. She dives into her story. She, um, you know, just really speaks to you at an individual level. If you have ever felt like you are just an unfit mother, I hope that you find yourself in her story and that you can find the self-compassion that she has for herself, that you can go back and you can think and see yourself differently. So deep breath, get excited. I'm really honored to share this episode with you. And wholeheartedly calm is still an option until uh, December 29th will be when it cuts off for having a printed workbook sent to you in the mail and the group officially starts January 3rd. So if that's still been on your heart and you want to find more tools of how to choose positive discipline for your child that just feels uh, relentless and exhausting and extend your patience along the way, definitely check it out. Parentingwholeheartedly.com slash group. And here is my conversation with Jesse. 
Welcome to Failing Motherhood. My name is Danielle Bettman, and on today's episode is Jesse Aredia. Hi, Jesse. Thanks Hi. for coming. Well, thank you for having me. I'm excited. Of course. I had to connect with you because, like, an expert on mom rage is obviously a needed topic for failing motherhood. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I know it's something that your audience is interested in as well, because that's something that I know you speak to. And I'm glad that we both do because it's a common issue. Not yes. a ton of people are talking about how to actually solve for it. Yes, not enough for sure, but we've all been there. It transcends all levels of motherhood. So I can't wait to dive in. But before we do, tell us a little bit about who you are and who's in your family. Yeah, sure. So I have three girls all under the age of five. We live in Atlanta. Um, I'm married to my husband, Grant, where we just uh, celebrated our sixth anniversary. So if you do the math, (laughs) we've had, we've lived a lot of life together in our six years of marriage. And and in a way, you know, we're still kind of in the thick of it. We have um, a one-year-old and we have two, I guess one isn't really considered a toddler anymore, but between our three girls and just all the different seasons we've navigated together, I... I really do believe that there's such a huge passion that stirred in my heart toward talking about challenges that we face as moms. So that's why I'm here today. That's why I'm so excited to share this message. Um, And yeah, that's a little just a snippet of of who I am, what my family looks like. Um, My work is that I'm a life coach for angry moms. Love it. So needed. I'm so glad that you stepped up to the plate to help in that way. So have you ever felt like you were failing motherhood? 100%. Yes. Um, For me, it really started like the first month of motherhood. Like, doesn't it all for a lot of us? It just starts right off the bat. You have no (laughs) idea of what you're doing and you just have this, this little, little baby or, you know, your first child. And it's just, there's a lot of adjustment. There's a lot of learning. There's a big learning curve there. Um, but for me, a lot of my failure or my feelings of failure, I should say, stemmed in the anxiety I was experiencing as a new mom that morphed for me into this incredible, uncontrollable amount of rage, um, which I now know to call postpartum rage. And it's actually very common and is, and is not quite diagnosed very prevalently, but I know so many moms um, around the world are, are struggling with it. So yes, I've definitely felt like I have been failing as a mom, but goodness gracious, we don't have to stay there. <laughs> that's that's yes. great news. Yes. How, so prior to your own experience of becoming a mom, were you familiar with postpartum depression, postpartum anxiety, postpartum rage? Did you know that this could even be a thing? Yeah. Postpartum depression and postpartum anxiety were were both words and phrases that I had heard and I had become somewhat familiar with. And even, you know, I think a lot of us, um, you know, I don't know, maybe I'm, maybe I'm not sure of how many, but I know for me and for my friends and women I've talked to, a lot of us kind of, it's almost like we're hunkering down when we first become moms in anticipation of what if I'm one of those women? Mm-hmm. What if I'm the one who then suffers from postpartum depression? What if I'm going to have postpartum anxiety? And it's there's no shame if that is your reality. But it is interesting that a lot of a lot of just us, from what I've heard in conversation, it's that 
we almost are expecting it and we're, we're a little bit afraid of it. And I wish that yeah. there wasn't such a fear and a stigma around it. Um, cause again, it is so common, but as far as postpartum rage, I had never heard that phrase before. Um, it really took like a bit of a Google search to even begin to be acquainted with what it was. And it really was just because I was experiencing these odd symptoms as a, as a mom that, I couldn't pinpoint as depression. I didn't know to quite pinpoint it as anxiety. I do know now that my rage was an offshoot of postpartum anxiety. But again, I I didn't know. Thankfully, there's a lot more research out now. There's a lot more studies and articles and all the things about postpartum rage. But at the time, no, I had no clue what was going on. I just knew that I felt crazy and that I was experiencing a lot of rage and lashing out and yelling to a degree that I did not ever anticipate. Yeah. And so for, for moms who might resonate either looking back and thinking, oh, that, I wonder if that was what was going on with me or are in the thick of it right now. What are just some of those signs of what it looked like for you? Yeah. I, well, I, I think that every mom can experience postpartum rage in a different way or from different triggers. I know for me, it was a lot of yelling, a lot of screaming, a lot of feeling like there was an anger just rising up inside of me that I didn't feel like I had any control over. And it would be over very small things, forgetting the diaper bag. Um, my husband saying something, you know, just a little bit smart alecky and just all of a sudden I'm like flying off the handle, you know, and it, it just felt like something was off being very uncharacteristic, even around my baby, you know, yelling at her, lashing out at her, being even sometimes physically aggressive over things like her not wanting to lay down and take a nap, things Mm -hmm. that we as moms can often have anxiety around. But for me, especially, and for moms who may be experiencing postpartum rage, that anxiety morphs into a type of rage or just a type of anger that can't quite be controlled or just doesn't feel quite normal. I know that for some moms experiencing postpartum rage, it's not so much toward their child that's directed, but maybe just towards their partner. And it can come out in the same ways of like yelling, screaming, aggression, or sometimes it's just a simmering anger and resentment beneath the surface. Maybe you're not quite reacting physically, but in your body, you're feeling it and your emotions, you're feeling it. And it's, it's, it's a heavy force. It, It feels heavy. Hmm. So how did that play out? What was kind of the, the timeline? Did you end up getting a diagnosis or help or just kind of take us along that ride? Yeah. So it, for me, it began almost immediately after my first daughter was born back in 2016. I started having what I would describe as episodes where, you know, we would just be like driving in the car and all of a sudden something would, you know, I guess what you would call a trigger, something would trigger me. And I would just all of a sudden just start being very odd in behavior, banging on the door, throwing my phone at the window, doing things, you know, yelling, screaming, just feeling very almost like primal, very animalistic almost. Other triggers, you know, for me would be if nap, if naps were being a struggle, you know, if my daughter wasn't wanting to sleep or in the middle of the night even, you know, I know that's a really big one for a lot of us moms. For me, I did not really think to talk to anybody about what was happening because how do you explain that? How do you, how do you get comfortable to share these experiences? 
when you know that there's a very real stigma around mental health and especially when there's a little one involved. My biggest fear was if I were to speak up, I would be labeled as an unfit mom and my whole life could be rocked and I could be like, this could really damage my ability to, to, to function and be a mom. And, and, and I, I knew that I was safe enough as a mom to, to not need immediate support. But unfortunately, I used that knowledge against myself to stay really hidden and silent for a long time. So postpartum rage for me, it, it continued on throughout my first year of parenthood. And when my first was a year old, I became pregnant again. And so then it just continued on, especially with all the fluctuating hormones, you know, that we experience um, in pregnancy. Then I had my second, it continued on and it just, it wasn't an everyday reality, but every week there was something new, something big, there was heightened emotions. And then it was finally after the birth of my second daughter, shortly after that I was like, you know what? I don't want to struggle silently anymore. I really do wonder if there's help for me, if there's hope for me. And that's when I began uh, pursuing counseling. That was a tremendously valuable first step. And, and really, like my, one of my biggest regrets was that I didn't do it sooner. Why didn't I pursue it sooner? But again, it was just the fear and the stigma. Um, once I did pursue counseling, that was when I was really formally introduced to postpartum rage. Now, postpartum rage is not in any medical book, so it can't officially be diagnosed in the same way that you would diagnose postpartum depression. And yet postpartum rage is becoming more talked about, more prevalent in studies. And I wouldn't be surprised if it does eventually make its way into the, the medical, the whatever it is, the, the, the type of book that they use to give diagnoses. Um, when you are working with a psychologist. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And, and that, those fears are real. The, the, that is valid. That is expected. Like, of course, you're going to prioritize having your kids in your home and, you know, perceive it as a threat to that asking for help could diminish that or, or threaten that. And that's, that's the reality. And, yeah. you know, like that's scary. And there's enough stigma still with mental health in general that even if that wasn't the case, asking for help is not easy. There's years and years of conditioning up against our ability, you know, to overcome that in the moment when we are self-destructive or just like in a really, really bad headspace. It's so hard that in the moments that you need to step up for yourself the most, you're, you know, your own worst enemy. Um But I'm sure that you had thoughts of, like, that this isn't something, like, you're alone. Like, you're the only one struggling in this way, and you're a bad parent. Like, you're just not cut out for this. Did you have thoughts like that? Oh, absolutely. I still have journal after journal just filled with entries of, you're the worst mom. You're a monster. You don't deserve to be a mom. You don't deserve to be married. You are a terrible wife. Mm. All of the things. And what I what I love to point out to my clients when when we're when when this is their their struggle too as well. It's the rage. It's the anxiety. It's that even though it feels so true to say those things. In a way, we're only emphasizing and adding on to the fear and the pressure that then turns into anxiety, that then turns into rage. And so 
Even though it's so easy to want to shame yourself and to pile on that guilt, it only works against you. It only it perpetuates the unhealthy patterns. It perpetuates the struggle. Um, so yeah, I definitely had those feelings. I had those thoughts. I wrote them out. I prayed them out. I like, I mean, really it was, it was, it was hard. It was lonely. Mm-hmm. Um, on the other side of it, I can see like how much I want to go back and just like hug that Jesse and just tell yeah. her you're not failing as a mom. You are unequipped right now to manage your anxiety and you can totally get there. You just need some support. You need some tools. You need to develop those skills. That's the only thing that was missing. Mm, That's so powerful to be able to look back and, you know, give that self-compassion to yourself. But yeah, uh, the regret is always, I I wish I could have done that sooner or why didn't I, why did I wait? Why did I, what, what didn't I realize? But I think a lot of it is just having the words for it you know, hearing mm-hmm. someone else's story that you can resonate with, realizing that this is not unique to you. It, it's a, it's a, you're part of something much bigger and there's so much hope with that. So what are some of the things that you realized as you began counseling? Yeah. Well, when I was, when I was working with a counselor, one of the biggest, um, I guess, perspective shifts that I gained was this is not anything about your identity. This is just totally about what's going on in your mind. And there's an anxiety piece that we need to be looking at together. That was huge because again, we can take on so easily this, this label of bad mom. Yeah. You're, you're, you're a terrible mom, bad partner, whatever. But that only distracts you from the reality of no, no, no. Like there's things going on in your mind, mentally, emotionally, chemically that we need to look at and that like there are solutions. There are ways that you can start to rewire those things, so to speak. Um, so that was a huge, a huge, um, just perspective shift for me when I first began counseling. It was just normalizing the fact that there are things going on in my mind and my brain that I'm just not yet aware of. Gaining that awareness was huge for me. Um, but after that, really a lot of my journey was just learning everything I can about, okay, so how does anxiety and rage interconnect? How does anxiety then turn into this uncontrollable yelling and screaming and wanting to lash out where, what, what's going on there? And if it really is coming from the anxiety piece, then how do you solve for that? Um, I had really big high hopes that there was something so practical and tangible here that could be done. And I'm so glad that I I really stuck to the belief that I wasn't just uncurable, that I wasn't just broken, but that really, truly there are actual solutions. And what I found over time is that when I tackle my anxious thoughts, whether it's around, I never get to be alone, um, my, my, my child's behavior means something about me as a mom. Um, my partner, he, he, he doesn't really love me. He doesn't care. Cause if he did, then he would do X, Y, Z, you know, whatever those anxious thoughts or whatever those fears or those lies were. Once I learned how to really settle in on this idea of one, they're just thoughts. You get to choose whether you believe them. They're totally optional. They're just thoughts. They don't, they, they don't, they're not truth per se. You have to work to really see what's the truth, what's the full-sided truth. Um, So that was, you know, number one, a big thing. But also number two, how do you begin to change that thinking? How do you go from anxious thinking to a thinking that's a little bit more neutral even? And I would even go so far as to say empowered. 
Mm-hmm. I love that my program is called Mom Empowered because that empowerment piece I truly believe is so valuable and powerful for moms because there's nothing that's going to help quell that anxiety quite as much as feeling confident, feeling mm-hmm. sufficient, feeling empowered, like empowered of I have options, I have authority, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not powerless, I'm not helpless, right? Like again, all those fears and thoughts that feel so true in the moment mm-hmm. and yet they're not 100% true. Once I learned that there was a connection between empowerment and being able to start to calm that anxiety, all of my focus then went toward, okay, how do I help myself feel more empowered? Because when you're in an empowered place and those anxious thoughts don't feel quite as loud or quite as true anymore, then your brain doesn't feel the need to go into fight or flight mode or to go into this place of strong, harsh, reactionary aggression. It doesn't mm-hmm. feel the need to defend or protect you, so to speak, because really that's all that's happening. When your rage is coming out, it's not because you're just this rage-filled person. It's because you're an anxiety-filled woman. And you need to know that when you're in a place of anxiety, your brain is always going to want to help you and protect you. It doesn't know the difference between a lion coming to eat you and your baby crying for the fourth hour in a row. It doesn't know the difference to, to you know, if you have anxious thoughts about that baby crying, your brain sees it all as a threat. It's the same kind of threat as if your life was really in danger and it's going to do what it's programmed to do, which right. is respond, maybe fight for control, fight for power, fight to survive. Um, knowing that that's what's happening in your brain, I, I really cannot emphasize enough how powerful that is for us as moms. Cause it means that we're not just broken. It means that we're not just, you know, like we, like we're just confused and we don't know what's going on. Like, no, you can use that information to your advantage. Right. Cause we feel the pressure. We know our role is important. We know our influence mm-hmm. is immeasurable. And sometimes that feels intoxicating. It feels, you know, claustrophobic because it's like, (laughs) not only do we feel like we're failing, but we're failing at something that's like our most important role we could have with Mm -hmm. like the people we love the most and we're screwing them up. And, you know, like the theme of this podcast is like your temper scares you and, you know, you, you feel like you're just ruining your kids in some of these moments when you yell and you scream and like you're never going to completely stop yelling. No one does. Oh, absolutely. I agree 100%. <laughs> don't even don't even wish for it. Don't even hold right. out for it because right. why would you want to stop 100% yelling anyway because if you really think about it, anger is a normal human emotion. Mm-hmm. It's a part of the human experience. And if you're going to really imagine yourself as never yelling ever again, never getting angry ever again. What you're imagining is a less than complete human experience. We Mm. don't want that. We think we want that, but we don't truly. Right. Yeah. Cause you, you need to be authentic. You need to be vulnerable and transparent and apologetic and, you know, modeling healthy conflict for your kids. And that, that requires disagreeing. That requires, you know, having to hold firm to a boundary or whatever, you know, that looks like in the day-to-day life. But when you feel so consumed with helplessness, hopelessness, and just like the sheer overwhelm of, I don't know what I'm doing. I feel out of control. Then you, like any strategies that you're trying to pick up on Instagram 
of like how to handle a meltdown are just not even accessible. <laughs> just going right over your no. head. Yeah. In, <laughs> Do in not stare. out the other because your brain literally cannot comprehend it in the heat of a moment. Right. Right. <sighs> so, and then you beat yourself up for that because it's like, well, surely I should be able to learn what so-and-so said in that one post I read once. <laughs> mm, yeah, definitely. And that's just, that's not how it works. It's so much deeper. And that was one thing where... I did home visiting um, prior to having kids and, uh, you know, I knew all the textbooks of child development and, you know, connected them with developmental screenings and resources and all these things. And so I did not realize until having a parent, one, just how complex, uh, how, how much a parent's mental health and well-being influences their ability to parent. You know, that's not in the textbook for, for at least classroom work. And then the other piece of it was I didn't realize until I became an entrepreneur how key mindset is to everything in life. And then when I started applying that to parenting and, you know, what Brene Brown says is like the story you're telling yourself. Mm-hmm. The story you're telling yourself in every single moment with your kids is either helping or hurting. It's either, mm-hmm. you know – causing you to come back to and regulate yourself or it is physically pouring fuel on a burning fire. And I think that's really what you started talking about was like some of those anxious thoughts that are trying to protect you genuinely make it worse. Yeah. So talk, talk more about that. Yeah. It's, I mean, I agree. 100%. (laughs) I genuinely, it, it does not, does not serve you to feed and fuel those anxious thoughts. Mm-hmm. I also do just want to normalize for a minute that we all have anxious thoughts. We all right. do. I would even yeah. go so far as to say a lot of them are intrusive anxious thoughts. And I think intrusive thoughts is another another you know f- big hot hot phrase that comes with a lot of stigma and fear mm-hmm. and anxiety. But every human on the planet experiences intrusive thoughts to some degree that mm-hmm. vary in type. They vary in severity. But again, they all are unwanted. They're a little bit automatic. They just happen without you purposefully looking for them or inviting them in. And when it comes to those anxious ones in particular, the ones that are turning into rage or are causing you to react in these in these big ways, mm-hmm. what I like to really just challenge women to do is to treat them as though they're guests that came, they, they walked into your home uninvited, but you get to ask them to leave. You can invite them to leave. Now, mm-hmm. will it take practice to do that? Absolutely. Does it take courage to do that? It does. It takes courage to really begin to wrestle with the idea that your thoughts are just thoughts, that you have a say, you have some type of authority over them. But that's the work that really does, you know, that mindset piece, that's the work that creates huge, huge changes in your life. It changes how you feel emotionally, it changes how you respond behaviorally, and Mm -hmm. it ultimately changes what you experience motherhood as what you experience your relationships as Mm -hmm. Um, when those anxious thoughts really can just be thoughts and you know that you have a say and whether or not you believe them whether or not you allow them to stay whether or not you fuel them that's when you become so much more empowered to manage that anger and to show up as whatever kind of mom you want to be Mm -hmm. yes exactly and and i think it's it's important to remember like 
you, yes, you cannot stop yelling. You cannot stop some of these anxious thoughts from coming. It's just what you do with them in the moment. But also you can't just like expect to yell less and, you know, welcome anxious thoughts less if you don't, you're not equipping yourself with more skills of what to do instead. You know, like I think, I think that we just think that, well, if I just, you know, really stick to it or, uh, you know, make myself be more intentional, surely I can figure this out. And the biggest thing that I see in some of my work with clients is when we finally identify these are some of the thoughts you're having about this meltdown or about this behavior and the way that you're explaining it that is pouring fuel on the fire. What are you going to think instead? You know, like what can you do to both in the moment and with your child action step wise? And what can you do to choose and shift that thought or find a new perspective or, you know, do something about it? That's a critical piece that, you know, is a part of your work and a part of my work that I think is important to reinforce because you you don't just, you know, oh, light bulb. Yay, it's fixed. <laughs> if only. If only. If only. Easy. <laughs> yes. So what do you find as like, you know, some of your top overall shifts in thinking that you find have a lot of ROI that come up a lot in your work? Yeah. Um, there's a few that come to mind. I think one of the most powerful thoughts that, that women benefit from clinging to is the thought that they have options. I can't think of, or I can't count how many times I truly felt so powerless and helpless as, you know, in the early years of my motherhood journey, simply because I was believing the lie that there was only one way to do this, only one way this could work. I had no other options. And every time I challenged those thoughts, I always found new options. I always found creative solutions that if only I had looked for them sooner or believed they were there sooner, I maybe could have saved myself a lot of pain and anxiety and, and struggle. Um, so I have options is a really big one. Again, like when you think about it, how much more empowered do you feel when that is your belief? It's, it's incredible. Um, I think another one, and this one's more so, um, I guess you could apply it to both kids and, and your partner, but I think especially with, um, your partner, like whether in a relationship or in your marriage, the thought of this has everything to do with them and nothing to do with me can be very, very, um, humbling and compassion stirring. Like it mm-hmm. almost like brings out a desire to better understand what's actually happening for your partner. In the same way that we might have a multitude of stuff going on when we lash out or when we say something critical, like we have to allow our partners to be complex human beings who are very much the same. So keeping yourself in check of like, I know you want to take this personally, but this has way more to do with what's going on in him than what than than anything about what he's actually saying or or what you're perceiving. That only begs the question of are you willing to investigate? Are you willing to seek a better understanding? And sometimes even just that alone, that curiosity and that compassion is enough to quell that that quick to rage that sometimes we experience in our relationships. Um, let me see if I can think of one more. I think one more powerful mindset shift is choosing that, choosing to see yourself as 
someone who isn't broken or isn't failing, you know, how fitting, you know, that we're talking about failure, you know, in motherhood, you're not someone who's failing. You're not someone who's worthless. You're not a monster. You're not unfixable. You're simply a woman experiencing things happening in your body and brain, chemically, mentally, emotionally, that again, takes you out of this self-pity, woe is me, nothing helps me. And I'm so alone. It takes you out of that place, that pity and that shame and takes you into a place of wanting to learn a place of hope and courage and, and even a little bit of confidence of, okay, like I, I don't have to have it all together in order to feel and behave as though I am a good mom. Those actually, those, those feelings and behaviors that most make us great parents come from a place of confidence and security anyway. Mm -hmm. So the less time you spend shaming yourself or loathing yourself, the more you're going to become the mom you want to be. So if you do mess up, if you do fail, which hello, we all do, you know, forever and ever and ever, like we said, Mm -hmm. you're never just going to not yell ever again. But every time you do let that be an opportunity to not beat yourself up, but to gain even more information about what's happening for you mentally and emotionally, and then decide what you want to do with that. That's going to further your journey so much faster than writing entry after entry in your journal. You suck. You're a terrible mom. Because believe me, I tried that. Doesn't work. Doesn't help. You can save them the time and energy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Let me save you lots of paper. <laughs> yes. That's what we're here to do. We're saving trees. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I have to ask you, how are you and your partner still married after oh, six years of, of what you've been through? <laughs> lots of grace and love and truly a miracle. I don't know, stubbornness maybe on both of our parts. It, and that's such a great question to ask though, because you know, I've in the last year or two, I've been a lot more open and forthcoming about my anger as it relates to my marriage. I've been very open about, yeah, I used to be emotionally and sometimes physically abusive to my partner. And again, like there was a rage piece that felt so uncontrollable and there was a shame and stigma that Mm. kept me from wanting to speak up, wanting to seek help. I can't count how many times he's like, we should just go to counseling, you know, or we should talk to our pastor. And I would just immediately shut down because the red flag raised of, but what will they think about my ability to be a wife or a mother? I will be an unfit wife, an unfit mother. And I just, that the fear was just so overwhelming. I couldn't even fathom that possibility. Mm. But um, as far as like how we stuck together through it all, I it really, truly, it's beyond me. I don't know. There were so many times where it would have made total sense for him to just be like, I'm done. But I'm so thankful that he didn't. You know, I would like to point out that if you are in, if you are being abusive or if you are in an abusive relationship, you go ahead and go seek out support and decide, is this a safe relationship for me to remain in? Um, I don't want my story to be like the, you know, on the pedestal of like, this is what every relationship will be like or can be like, because it's not, I can't speak to every situation. But as far as mine, and as far as a lot of the women I work with, when you can manage your anxiety, you will be surprised to find of what beautiful, amazing partner you truly always had the capability to be. You just didn't quite have the anxiety and anger management skills to access her. 
Um, mm-hmm. does, did I answer your question? Yes. Yes. <sighs> I think you spoke to a lot of the realities that just, it's so helpful to hear that, that perspective of what, being yeah. in it. Um, cause yeah, my, my marriage has been through ups and downs as well. And we've been together in 18 years now since high school and, uh, it's not easy. It is not picture book, you know, uh, picturesque, uh, happily ever after. It, it takes a lot of stubbornness. It takes a lot yeah. of just plain commitment. And, uh, it's not, you know, it's not pretty sometimes, but yeah. it's, it's possible when you do get support. And that was what we needed Absolutely. as well. Absolutely. So, uh, tell, tell listeners more about your, your platforms and your work and how to connect with you. Yeah, absolutely. So my favorite place to hang out is Instagram. I, um, I'm on a little bit of a hot streak with my reels these days. <laughs> I'm having <laughs> so much fun coming out, coming with reels. I've had a few go viral in the last month or two and that nice. has been crazy in and of itself, but also being able to get my message out to more millions and millions of women, like that means the world to me. So feel free to come hang out with me on Instagram. Everyone, uh, my handle is at Jesse Aredia, or you can just type in the search bar life coach for angry moms. And I'll, I might be one of the first to pop up as outside of that. Another great way to learn more about me and my work is by going to my website, jessiearedia.com. And there's a whole bunch of information there about my 90 day mom empowered program. I always, you know, welcome women to schedule a, a consultation if they think my program might be the right fit for them. And that that's about it. Like, I mean, I love connecting with moms. I love connecting with women. And I just love having hard but beautiful conversations about the real struggles that we all sometimes encounter and some more than others when it comes to motherhood and emotion management. Yeah. No, it's so needed. I'm so glad that you're here and that you've created such beautiful spaces to do that. So we'll have those links in the show notes. Definitely check those out if you're listening. So two last questions. One, if you could just say anything else, you know, with giving you a little pedestal, what do you feel like is on your heart for to share with, you know, maybe something that listeners need to hear? Yeah. Um, If you've been wondering if it's time to speak up and seek out support, it's, it's been time. Go ahead and do it. Like that's my number one push my number one challenge is to stop struggling in silence, stop Mm -hmm. suffering silently because you don't have to. That stigma that we talked about at the beginning of our conversation, that fear of, well, what's going to happen to my kids? What's going to happen to me? What, what, what judgment will I receive? I promise you there's so much love and support available to you. There are professionals who can handle what is happening and, and they don't want to bring judgment. They want to support you. They want to help you. Um, so don't be afraid to speak up. It really, truly can be a lifesaver, can be a huge game changer in your ability to enjoy and thrive in your relationship and your motherhood experience. Mm, yes. And if that's the only thing they take away, then I hope that our, our, our job here is done. <laughs> yes. Mission accomplished. <laughs> yes. Because <laughs> I always say the, the mark of a good parent is that you're worried about things that matter. And that's usually stomach, a lot of that anxiety is like legit concerns and, you know, knowing that your kids mean something to you and wanting to do well for them. And, you know, knowing that you're not 
showing up in the ways that you wish you could or know that you should or whatever those, you know, expectations were. And so if that if that's you, you know that like you even if we can't convince you to do it for yourself, do it you can do it for your kids. Like you know mm-hmm. that you want to give them a mom that is whole that, you know, has her own support system to be able to support them you know, as, as well as you can. And, um, and I know that that's, you know, the moms that are listening to this, if they're seeking out resources, then they are already, you know, halfway there. So thank you again. The last question I ask every guest is how are you the mom that your kids need? Mm, I have no judgment for emotions. Only a huge amount of grace and compassion and a desire to support people experiencing them. This is huge for my kids because they, like their mom, have big emotions. I mean, that's (laughs) toddler life, right? Yes. But my journey of being able to accept and forgive and to love and, and to empower myself, that only helps me as a mom be able to help them do that for themselves and to be able to, to set that example for them. Mm. And you can't do that if you can't accept your own emotions or if you can't, you know, if you're trying to shove it all in, then it still feels very threatening to get that Mm -hmm. from another tiny human. So that takes a lot of work, internal work to, to be that for your girls. And I know that they thrive with that. So that's amazing. So commendable. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you for the honor of being on the show. Thank you for allowing me to speak to your people. I'm I'm so excited that I get to serve them in this way. Yes. No, I appreciate your honesty. That's why you are one of us. <laughs> and so thank you for, for showing up, for sharing, for creating your platforms and your reels. I still am struggling with video. I'm going to get there. <laughs> it's not how my brain works. So better you than me. Um, but no, it's just, it's all, we all just have like our own unique take on things. And, you know, if it resonates with you, then, then that's the person that you should work with. And so that it's just as many voices as possible speaking to these things, um, will help hopefully change the next, how the next generation is raised. And that's a meaningful work that we can get up every morning and do. So yes, agreed. Thanks again, Jesse. Yeah. Thank you. Oh my gosh, wasn't she so sweet? Oh, that is, that's exactly what this podcast is about, is being honest and sharing our stories so that you know that you're not alone and you feel empowered to know that your problems have solutions and there are options. And if you feel like working with Jesse might be something that is a game changer for your family, go check her out, follow her, and... And I hope that you can trust yourself and invest in your family when you feel that on your heart. So uh, go check out the show notes, leave a review for the podcast if you have been listening, um, share it with a friend, and know that you are one of us. I'm so glad you're here. Thanks for coming on this journey with me. I believe in you, and I'm cheering you on.